Hey, it's not quite the DeLorean, but we're going back in time with a new podcast feed full of all my favorite interviews in the history of the Bill Simmons podcast. We're coming up on seven years now. I've had an unbelievable collection of athletes, celebrities, showrunners, directors, Matt Damon, Denzel Washington, Adam Sandler, Kevin Garnett, Charlize Theron, Tom Hanks, Bill Burr, Kevin Durant, Peyton Manning, The Undertaker, Eddie Vedder, Kyrie Irving. Yeah, he actually came on. Dave Grohl, Quavo, Barack Obama. I mean, what else can I tell you? I've had Al Pacino with Barry Levinson. I've had people like Steph Curry, Jason Bateman, John C. Riley, Jonah Hill. I could just, I could keep going and going. But wait, there's more. Whether it's your first time or you're planning on revisiting some of your favorites, make sure you head to BillSimmonsInterviews.TheRinger.com for the entire archive. You can sort by genre, year, and more to easily navigate all your favorite people. Follow the Bill Simmons podcast, The Interviews, on Spotify now. It's the Full Go presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. And present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Chicago everywhere, check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. (laughs) He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer. A Spotify original. Yeah. yeah. How y'all feel? Tired. <laughs> Man. I feel you, I feel you. I don't like to uh, mention that I'm tired around these parts. Because when you mention you're tired, your lady gets a chance to mention how tired she is, and then you got to listen to that. So... <laughs> you that's, that's, that's not a dismissal of the other person's tiredness it's it's i'm saying in, in this present moment this uh, body this soul is, tired. Is, a bit, is a bit weary 
Oh, <laughs> you're so adorable. <laughs> <laughs> that's that new love, Jess. <laughs> that's that new love. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should, I, I, should, I should word it differently. Yeah, I, appreciate, yeah, yeah. I appreciate your tiredness. There you go. I would just like somebody to appreciate my tiredness. That's all. Yeah. How about I know neither thing is true, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't mention shit. How about, how about that? <laughs> yeah, I'll be dog tired next to her falling asleep. We, we can't finish a movie or a show because I fall asleep. <laughs> She was like, you tired? Nah, I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm fighting. I'm fighting. <laughs> nah, buddy. Because, you know, you, su- you succumb to the tired, then all of a sudden, boy, <laughs> then it's going to be like, oh, what do you need to do to change that? <laughs> you know? What do you to change that? Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. Don't worry. You don't, you don't worry. You got a lady to care for you. You're going to see. You're going to see. This, this This is the runaround phase right now. Wait till <laughs> October, was it 15th or 14th? October 14th? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, wait till October 14th. That's when that's that's when new rules come through. <laughs> I saw you by the way at a at a wedding. What was what was that? That about? was that was her sister's wedding. Oh, okay. Look, yeah. Oh shit. You guys know. <laughs> Oh, yeah, buddy. <laughs> the, pe- the parental's getting two off in one year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, God Turn bless me you. up. Yeah, man. I'm, dude, I'm excited for you. I, I have a question, though, because this has happened, and I need to know. How can I phrase this? Would you rather bounce a check to a couple or get ne- give them nothing? <laughs> how, how close are you talking? Are you to the people? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Real life situations here on the Full Go Podcast. You know, it's it's crazy because I just had my sister's wedding, or just was at my sister's wedding in Belize or whatever. And it was beautiful affair. Everybody had a great time. Everybody had a blast. Everyone, everything was beautiful. The weather held up. The resort was beautiful. And the stay after the wedding was beautiful. When we get back home, and my little sister is like, can you believe some of these motherfuckers didn't put anything on this wedding? And I was like, that's crazy. I was like, uh oh. Let me let me go let me go let me go ahead and let me go ahead and quick pay mom and then mom can slide this to her. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I went I went big. I went big when I was down there. You know, I took care of the uh, the entire wedding party's bar tab for a couple of nights down there, especially the meet and greet where everyone was thirsty. Uh, <laughs> you know, but it's 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 all in good fun. You know, the last time I went to a wedding. And then I was um, unsure about the uh, the funds that were that were being dispersed. Was Lawrence Holmes's wedding? Hmm. Yeah, Lawrence Holmes's wedding. I will never ever forget pulling up to the wedding, and at the time, you know, it was with somebody different, <laughs> and they uh, they're like, "Oh, we forgot." And I was like, "Shit." I was like, I ain't forget. Here go my checkbook right here. 
You know what I mean? Like you're checking to see if somebody gonna make you do the right thing that day, right? You know what I mean? Like I, you know, I'm here for him. You know, he knows I love him. You know, we we work at the same place. I'm not at the place that I would like to be in my career right now. You know, financially things ain't as solvent as I need them to be. You mm-hmm. feel me? And I'm in that parking lot, boy. I'm writing every, with every pen stroke. I'm like, ooh, we this bitch is about to <laughs> this bitch is about to be a super rubberized ball. Like 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 one of the you get the mad balls back in the day where you just bounce them and they 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 skyrocket sixty feet in the air. Yeah, that's the check I was sending off to my main man, Lawrence Holmes. But I covered it. I covered it. I went I went and did some things, you know, that I'm may not be too proud to speak of, right? I I handled some some situations. I I moved some money from here to there. And next thing you know, Lawrence Holmes and his beautiful wife had um had their plates covered by by me and my date. But boy, ain't nothing like that wedding situation to, to, to make you tap your pockets, especially, <laughs> especially like if it's if it's people you kind of fuck with, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I rock with you, right? And I rock with Lawrence. But I've gone to some weddings where I'm like, I really... My presence should be enough. Yeah, you feel me? <laughs> like, I feel you. I know y'all didn't spend a lot on this. So if I just slide out with a little Y2C, maybe, a, you know, throw $100 in your, you know what I mean? Throw $100 in your back pocket and call it one. Like, what is the standard? Two fifty dollars a person, right? $300, $350 a person, something like that. These are $500 if you're talking mm-hmm. about the Tony Gill wedding. What are we <laughs> talking about here? I'm pretty much asking you here in the first segment of this show, how much how money much you- do I need to chop up for you, Tony Gill, and your beautiful wife to be? Because I don't want to short shrift you. And I know there's this thought out there, and I needed to stop. I, I truly needed to stop. But there's this thought out every time I go on somebody's show, they can't wait to talk about my money. Whether it be me going back on the score or me <laughs> me going on like friends podcasts or, you know, like, oh, you, you're looking good. Hey, man. I spent all my own money on this. This ain't, I ain't got no clothes budget. You feel me? Like, you stall me out a little bit, right? Like, we building over here. Like, I drive a Chevy. You, you, all right? You're like, don't, don't get it twisted out here. So, I say that to say this. Will you be taking EBT? <laughs> Can I slide a card somewhere to get maybe half a meal? I don't even need the appetizer. Right, I just get <laughs> half the entree. Me and my lady can split that. Like, how much should I be giving you? And I know this is bad taste and poor form, but I don't give a shit. You feel me? Because that's, that's never been my. I, I've never been the classiest. So, 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 how much, Tony Gill, are you expecting from me, your brother, your partner in crime, your comrade, the guy who saw you come up as a young pup in these streets? Uh, in an industry where we know money isn't as plentiful. I'm trying to build up my case here to let you know that I got you. You just got to let me know how much I got to have you for. Jason, whatever oh, your shit. heart... Uh, let's see. <laughs> this is that whatever bullshit. has been placed on your heart. I'm, I'm going to tell you how to yeah. say in church. Whatever <laughs> has been placed on your heart to give... <laughs> That's what you get. That's what I give? That's that's between uh, you and God, my man. Uh, that's no, between you no, and God. No, So here we go. I'm I'm gonna be the I'm gonna be the one being made fun of like night of the wedding. Like, can you believe these motherfuckers? They can't 
seemed like they had a good time, didn't it? I mean, <laughs> I'm just I'm just making sure, man. You know, I'm just making sure because I didn't been to a couple of weddings. Not saying this is you. I didn't been to a couple of weddings. Like, hey, man, you know, I might have to get a refund on this joint because I know this ain't going. <laughs> this is going right towards a lawyer. I, I know that for a fact. So, you know, I'm not saying that about yours though, or my sisters. Like, shout out to the people who are jumping into these nuptials and loving each other the way they should. But I saw you at a wedding. I thought I had to. And by the way, you were looking good. You were in the traditional garb. You were in the cultural garb. You were out here looking good, man. I saw you. Cultural appropriation. Let's go. Oh, I mean, (laughs) shit. If everybody take from us, we can take from them. You feel what I mean? Like, I remember... I remember when Buster Rhymes was making the songs. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, like I know, I know what it is. I know mm-hmm. what it is. I, 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 I definitely had to pair with some Jordans, though. You know, I you saw know how you. Get down. I saw yes, you. sir. I was a little disappointed in you in that. I was a little disappointed in you. How many other black people were at this wedding, Tony Gill? Three. Damn. So <laughs> I thought she was at least going to give me like five or six. Oh, so one was you, a mixed was a mixed child. So you and the two brothers. Uh, parking the cars we're at this wedding and <laughs> you decided to pull up in Jordans yes sir yes sir ah uh, see for the one time uh, for the culture come on man. for the culture huh for the okay. culture anything on culture your ass right about that wedding <laughs> you come back in there in some damn sneakers that's a beautiful <laughs> event you look like you had about $5,000 worth of silk on you boy you better, better get you some some loud dogs <laughs> better get you some hush puppies and call it a night fam you, you what you're out here doing alright that's enough of this fooling around Hey guys, this is Ozzy Guillen and you are listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff on The Ringer in a Spotify. I read something today, right? What, what episode is this? Just 128? Yep, 128. Look at me. Two episodes in a row. I'm on it. Can't, can't stop me. It's all downhill from here. I read something today that perfectly summarized or encapsulated exactly what I was thinking. And I thought I was being like, you know, ah, why are you doing this today, Jay? Like, why are you feeling like, like this today? When we talked about Minnie Minoso uh, being elected to the Hall of Fame, and we did that podcast, and I extolled the virtues of one of the greatest um, Cuban players, one of the greatest Afro-Latino players, the, the man considered Jackie Robinson to Latin ball players far and wide. Um, when we did that show, when we did that pod, and shortly after that, I talked to members of his family that I actually grew up around and with and didn't even know it was Minnie Minoso's people for so long. Um, I thought to myself, why didn't this happen when he was alive? And when we did that pod, I said it during the time. And, you know, I didn't want to say it sucked that, he, that it didn't happen while he was alive because his family still gets a chance to enjoy it. And he is commemorated for eternity in the place that he should have been. Um, but this kind of happened with Ron Santo as well. Uh, and a lot of people in this city went ham when Ron Santo uh, was being passed over time and time again. And he was, at that time, still doing radio for the Cubs, you know, still screaming, still being a homer, still doing the Ron Santo things that people had come to know and love for decades. But when Minnie Minoso's time came, uh, there wasn't as loud uh, a banging of the drum. And there were some, right? Shout out to Bob Kendrick and, and, and the people 
who have been singing Minnie's praises for so long. I got a chance to meet Minnie Minoso twice in my time at the score. And the last time was right before I went to Atlanta in 2011. Always gregarious, always had a good word. You knew, right? You knew Minnie Minoso was the life of whatever party he was at when it was happening, right? Up until the day he passed away. And today, I don't sit and watch Hall of Fame enshrinements. Um, whether it be basketball, football, or baseball. Um, I, 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 if I catch it, I catch it, right? Like the, the Canton one, is, it always seems like it's so damn hot and the outside and you got the brothers sweating through their suits and, you know, it's 30-minute it's speeches by people. Sometimes you're like, all right, you know, I know this is their moment, but it doesn't really take me where it's supposed to take me. I got a chance to watch the introduction of the Cooperstown Hall of Fame ceremony. And I got extremely angry. And I turned it off shortly after Brian Kenny was done because that anger set in for me that, um, one, angry at how baseball handles these things. And we're going to talk to our, our guest, uh, Shakia Taylor. Um, you know, hey, I, I, I threatened y'all with it. You know, Sundays with Shake, you know, and she, she, she was... Uh, she was free this evening, but she perfectly, perfectly captured exactly how I was feeling in her latest piece. And now she joins us here on the Full Go podcast. Shakia, thank you so much for giving us your time as always. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't, it, it, it was weird for me. Like, I, I didn't want to feel like, like, why are you being weird, Jay? Like, don't be angry. But I was watching it like, man. Uh, the voting process, we can get into that. But what this dude meant, his numbers, <laughs> like, like, let's not just, it's not just like some, hey, look at Mark Grace have the most hits in the 90s, you know? Meanwhile, Will Clark's like, all right, fam, I was doing all that and I had power and we won. You feel like things are different. It wasn't, you know, oh, look at this guy. He played for this many teams and had this many, you know, uh, 200 plus hit seasons. No, it was many damn Minoso. Like, this man had a damn near 390 on base percentage. You stack his numbers up with the Hall of Fame. First of all, there's a bunch of dudes need to be yanked out that bitch, to be honest with you, right? I feel like anybody who didn't play against brothers, you have to restate your case. And if you're not here to restate your case, then you might have to go. And the only one that can stay is, 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 <laughs> is George Herman Ruth. You feel me? And that's because he was a brother as is. You already know the vibes, right? Stevie Wonder ain't blind and Babe Ruth is black. We'll get to it some other time, though. Shake, <laughs> <laughs> with that being said, um, I, I don't know why I was angry. And then I read your piece and I was like, all right, I'm not angry. I'm just, I'm just kind of disappointed. And that's how I left it, that a guy who is so gregarious, so full of life, the guy that you would want to carry that Hall of Fame banner for you. A lot of these dudes, they get the Hall of Fame joint, they go to 20, 25 uh, baseball card signings, and you don't see their ass for the rest of their lives, right? Like, they put HOF on something, get some money out of it, and keep it moving. I think this would have been a guy who would have been an ambassador for baseball, not just locally, but nationally, especially with the Cuban influence and the Latin influence in baseball currently. Like, I remember when Jose Contreras coming over here was a big deal. And now you've got an influx of Cuban players, not just on the White Sox, but in baseball. So I cede the floor to you. Um, your feelings on this entire process and how Minnie Minoso was handled by the Baseball Hall of Fame. Well, 
first, I don't think you were wrong in any way for how you felt. Um, I think it's perfectly okay for any of us to question things that happen, particularly with institutions like the Hall of Fame, right? Like all those awards, all that stuff, it's all, I don't know, it's all political. No one wants to really talk about it, but it feels political. And to me, no one will say that Mini Mioso was overlooked because so much of his career was spent in the Negro Leagues and so much of his career was spent in other countries. Um, he felt that he was being ignored. And for a long time, he didn't say anything. And then after a while, you know, and he probably saw like the end approaching. It was, you know, 2011. He started saying like, you know, I'm not happy about this. They're ignoring me. I don't know why they're ignoring me. I'm being overlooked for people who have lesser career records than me, who have fewer all-star appearances than me, who don't have the impact that I had. Like, he was really out here, like, saying, like, my shit's more John Blaze than that. And, like, <laughs> nobody was hearing him. Like, after, after you get snubbed for so many years, like, you gotta, you gotta feel the way about it. And I think I respect him so much for saying, I don't want it after I die. Like, I'm right here. And he lived a really long time. He lived to be like 89, 90 years old. Right. After playing baseball in what, six different decades? Like, From the 40s to the 80s. <laughs> just give it to him. Like, just give it to him. It just didn't make any sense. If you were going to end up giving it to him anyway, you should have been here to, to say something. Um, and the other part that we don't think about when players receive awards posthumously is their families have to re-grieve. Like, they've already gone through the process of grieving this person, of grieving their loss, of grieving the things that they didn't receive or didn't achieve. And then you got to go through this all over again so the rest of the world can finally know what you know or it finally be on the record what you know. I don't think we consider like the things that we're putting the family members through too. Yeah. No, it's, as I mentioned, I had a chance to talk to a, a few family members and they were like, Hey, thank you for doing this. I'm like, I'm not doing shit. I'm, <laughs> I'm talking about a dude who should be, and is now finally recognized as one of the greatest to ever do it. Um, yeah. It's like what <laughs> Red Fox said, uh, don't wait till I'm up in the sky. Give me my shit while I'm on the ground. Right. We love, <laughs> we love, we love giving flowers and, and it's cool to do, but uh, posthumously, posthumously is always, um, is always unfortunate. Baseball's Hall of Fame voting. I, I remember when I was a 19, 20 year old kid screaming this shit uh, in the hallways at the score. And it was like, ah, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but, the gatekeeping of baseball is one of the things that I think has held baseball back in so many ways, so many realms, so many aspects, right? Whether it be um, the sport with women, whether it be the sport with people of color, whatever the case may be, the gatekeepers are the gatekeepers. And they have, you know, they, some have died out, but some have been reborn and just with, <laughs> with different philosophies, but the same kind of mainframe. And I think that... I, 
I know people like to argue numbers and the, the conversations are always fun to have, but what would be the problem of having somebody's name on the Hall of Fame candidacy or the list one time? Making, making people say, did you appreciate this person's career seven years after it was over instead of dragging things out for 15, 20 years and have to have a veterans committee and all these other things? Now, I, I've been explained to why I might be wrong on this, but nothing enough for me to stop asking the question, like, why do we have to do this? Why, do, why does the dog and pony show have to happen with guys like Jim Rice and, and, and people who know they should be in the, in the Hall of Fame or people who don't have a chance to be in the Hall of Fame, but they were great guys and they gave you all the interviews they wanted to. And now every four years, every three years, every two years, you see them pop up. Like how, if you were running this thing, how would baseball's Hall of Fame be voted on? So I just want to start by saying it's all fake. Like all of this stuff is fake. It's all made up. Like it's just a bunch of people who are like, oh, this thing's like a good idea. Let's do it this way. At least that's how I feel about it, right? And I think when you look at it from that perspective, I think if they're going to do it one way, do it one way all the time, but it can't be one or the other. And then you also have to stick to whatever it is that you are saying that your morals are. And this is a little murky for some people, but I'm just going to say it. If you're going to say it's okay for the racist to be in, then where are we drawing the line, right? Drugs? Where are, are we drawing the line at, at, at steroids? Like the baseball purity test. It's just, it's getting extremely murky. Like if you're going to do it one way, do it one way, but stick to it. That's all I ask. Like, I think that would be my thing. I don't care how you vote, but stick with it. Like whatever it is, don't be weird about it. Um, And, you know, I don't disagree that maybe give everybody one shot because you you never know how it's going to, how it's going to turn out. But again, I think for Minnie Mignoso and so many others, it's, it was the simple fact that they played in the Negro Leagues and nobody wanted to acknowledge the Negro Leagues or they weren't sure if they should count it. And, you know, every voter has their own standards. Like, there's a set of rules to follow in voting, sure, to qualify or be eligible. But each voter gets to pick the way they vote based on however they feel. Like, that is the part that I think maybe needs to be defined more. Like, yes, we can consider these things. There no, we should not be considering these things. And um, I think also the committees as like as, and the Baseball Writers Association, they need some serious diversity. Like, when you got the same type of people from the same background with the same information and the same general feelings, voting over and over again, you're just going to get the same outcome, you know? Um, Involving the historians, I think, is a huge deal. Because now you start to get people who are willing to tell the truth a little bit more, you know, than a writer. And a writer is going to factor in their opinion on the person, you know, how they dealt with them, how they interviewed. So I don't really, I don't know. I don't know how I would do it, but I would definitely demand that there be some standards set. Yeah, no, no doubt. Shakia Taylor uh, from the Chicago Tribune. She writes everything sports, culture, flight. is joining us here on the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff. Brought to you by The Ringer. And of course, Spotify is the gang. You mentioned steroid uh, abusers or the steroid problem that baseball ha- had. 
and you know maybe has and you know the chemists are too far ahead of the the uh the the scientists or the the, the testers to uh to maybe pick anything up these days but how do you feel about baseball's steroid era and quote unquote cheaters being in the baseball hall of fame let them in let them in here's why right there was so much money made everyone knew what was happening let's stop acting like this was like this great secret and i got uncovered like years later everyone's guilty the commissioner of that era is even in just yeah. let him in. Like, if you're going to keep him out for other things, fine, whatever. But we know that it's just the steroids. We know that they don't actually care about Barry Bonds' domestic dispute. We know that they don't care about these things. We know that they don't care about anything social. It's just the steroids at a time where so much money was made, so much attention was being paid. Kids were staying up late to watch these cheaters. Like parents were like, like, all right, you know, you could, I've heard so many stories from people who are around our age who were like, yo, my parents let me stay up to, <laughs> to Sammy and Mark McGuire. Yeah. I, like, every night. <laughs> they created a generation of baseball fans. So just let them in. Just let them in. I don't care about that. Speaking of this generation of baseball fans, uh, we get this, the annual, how many black folks are playing baseball uh, number, right? And I think, was it down to like 7.3% or 7.4%? Mm-hmm. Somewhere around where the, you know, the housing interest rate is. And I don't know if that is uh, any connection, but, you know, you know, they try to keep us out these homes and keep us out of baseball. Keep your third eye open, y'all. I'm just joking. Or am I? But how do you feel uh, about the the black involvement in baseball right now, because a lot of people will point to, you know, if we're talking about Mini Minoso and, and the, the Latin players, uh, Roberto Clemente was like, Hey, you please believe you will, you will identify me as a black player as well. Um, how do you, how do you look at the numbers and the breakdown of what's really happening right now with uh, minority involvement and black involvement in baseball? I think that, Afro-Latino involvement in baseball is doing amazing, right? We saw it on display during the Home Run Derby. Like, Minnie Minoso's legacy is doing all right, right? right? Like, <laughs> now, for Black American participation, we're seeing, we're seeing some upswing, I'd say, right? Like, there's the occasional, you know, Sunday where I've sat down and there have been four or five black starting pitchers um, in the draft that just took place. You know, what was it? Four of the top yeah, five, the five players in the first round were black and then nine out of 30 in the first round total. And I think that's something like the highest number of black players drafted in the first round in 30 years. So it's like they're there. I don't want to say that black kids aren't playing baseball anymore. But I do think we can still say that it's a little expensive. Like, it's being left to the middle class, you know, and and parents who can afford to put their kids in uh, some of the more expensive programs and travel ball and, you know, independent coaching. And I didn't even know. Did you know that you have to get your kid a coach mm-hmm. for private lessons outside of 
the coaching they would receive from their team. To keep so, up. Just to keep up. Like, so yeah. I, one parent told me that he was paying an extra $1,300 a month just in independent coaching. So I think the kids are playing it. I think the numbers are on the upswing. I just think, you know, they need more funding. They need more places to play. Um, they need more players who look like them to come hang out, kick it with them. Um, they need some of us to come watch. They don't see us in the ballpark, so they lose interest. 100%. I just, and this is the uh, the bad person in me, what if you're spending that money and your kid's a fucking bum? Like, what if, what if, what if, what if, you're spending $1,300 a month for a kid who's getting his ass yakitowed all across the field. Like any anytime, like he's going to have to play left field and we only going to let him pitch because the other kids are tired. Y'all can stop spending this money. Like that, that's, I, now that I think about it, I'm kind of glad my son doesn't like sports right now. Cause you got, you, if you have to get extra, that's, that's a, that's an apartment for some folks. Like that's, that, that, that's, that's mortgage. <laughs> That's a That's very, true. very expensive car payment for some folks. Like, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta watch little Timmy struggle and, and, and travel ball and waste my summers driving to Iowa every other weekend. Like, what are we doing out here? Like, what happened I mean, to the Vladimir, Vladimir Guerrero, you know, <laughs> stories of hitting bottle caps with, with broom handles and shit like that? Like, when, when are we gonna get those kids back? Huh? Like, they don't all have to come from San Pedro to Macariz. You feel me? They can, they can come from the south and west side. Like, I got bottle caps i got brooms like what, what are we talking about like what's get that's what we need shake that's what we need a hard scrabbled black baseball story we need a Giannis antetokounmpo i was selling i was selling seashells on the beach to tourists in greece while white women were getting their hair braided and that's how i became an mvp that's what we need right like does andrew mccutcheon have a certain amount of struggle in his life that we don't know about like give me somebody somebody that, that uh, i need a rags to riches story i would throw my man tim anderson in there but I, you know I'm, I'm sure you don't want the spotlight on him right now so what, what get, do you know of a story i you, i know you did the thing on marcus stroman I, marcus seems like you know he's 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 always had yeah, money. Yeah, but like that's the thing. Like you really don't hear about any black American kids who are like, "Yo, we were playing with like rocks and sticks in the street." Like you don't hear about that. Like these are kids who are playing on you know Travel decent ball. places. Yeah, right. like, shout out to Jackie you know, Robinson West. You know what I mean? Shout out to my guys. There, I, I don't know. I don't hear too many of those stories. You're not the first person, though, to say to me that that is a thing that we need to bring back. Like, these kids not playing with cardboard box bases no more. And I was like, Man. okay. Like, Man. Um, but, I mean, I guess that is true, that kids aren't doing that anymore. But I don't know if it's like... There's a direct lie. Hey, Tony, look at look, look, look at Shakia trying to dance and make some sense out of the foolishness that I just spit. Look at her trying to like, look, look at her trying to bring it back like we ain't family or something. Like, oh damn, <laughs> Gofton got in the sauce again. <laughs> you you usually <laughs> last time you joined me, you joined me with a glass of wine. I I don't see anything, so you know I want I want to make sure that maybe this is like a dry Sunday for you. I don't want to. No, don't wanna my glass impede. is just on the floor. I forgot oh. to pick it up before I. Turn on my computer. Well, 
All right. Well, I'll I'll let you get back to your glorious Sunday night. I just wanted you to know that um that the piece that you wrote uh in the Tribune, I, I read it like 33, 34 minutes after you posted it. I, I retweeted it. Uh it is exactly how I felt while watching it. And I thought, ah, oh, Jay, you just you just being shade tree hating ass dude. Like, don't, don't, <laughs> don't, don't mess up Minnie's moment in this in this time. And I was so happy to see that you were you were as um perturbed as I was while watching that. And uh, I appreciate you as always. So shake uh, till the next time I catch you on short notice. I'll holler at you. Bye. Thanks for having me. Yes, ma'am. Shakia Taylor joining us here on the full goal podcast. Bears talk with Jason golf on the full goal. And the kick is good for the win. Fade to black. Brought to you by the ringer, a Spotify original. Herb Howard, my man from the bigs. It's the bigs.com. Um, I'm sorry, the bigs.com. You can find them. He uh he covers the Bears for the Bigs and does a phenomenal job at it. And we uh we're a couple of practices into training camp and guys are getting their bumps and bruises, little soft tissue issues popping up, of course, is with any training camp. What what stands out to you so far before we dig into what this training camp has to be for a team that is it's gonna be somewhere around that five, six win mark? <laughs> All right, so let, let, let's table Justin Fields, right? That's number one. Everybody, under, everybody understands that. No doubt about that. Let's table him for a second. Number one after that has to be the offensive line, right? What's happening there? Who's playing right guard? Who's playing left tackle? Who's playing right tackle? I don't know anything about the offensive line right now. I'll give you Cody Whitehair, all right? Mm-hmm. You've got left guard. You've got center. After that. I don't know. I, I can't definitively say with any confidence that they're going to play well at right tackle, right guard, left tackle. They got to figure all of that out during camp and preseason. Could they? Maybe. Could they find some answers there? Perhaps. Is Lucas Patrick a, you know, upper echelon center? Maybe. Right? I, I don't know. Right? Who knows? Right? Maybe. Who played right guard? I I don't I don't know who plays right guard. I want to say ideally, you got your two tackles last year. Maybe both of those kids work out. Maybe they do. Right? And if so, good. Kudos to Larry Borum. Kudos to Tevin Jenkins. If they do, I hope so. But if they don't, what are your answers? What are your solutions? You're gonna find another Jason Peters. In the eleventh hour to play serviceable serviceable ball like last year, I don't think so, right? So that's a lot of questions that on the offensive line. That's number one. Number two, who's outside? Who's catching these passes? Who's running these routes? Who's explosive? Who's making plays? Nobody can definitively say we got studs outside. I like Darnell Mooney. I like him as a number two. One, he might be like a one A. 1B type of guy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. don't, I don't think anybody can, again, definitively say that's a true, legit number one receiver. Nobody would tell you that. So, questions outside again. Are you flip to the defense? If the Bears are going to be it's going to be predicated on the success of their defense. I love they got a linebacker. I like Roquan. Mm-hmm. I like Morrow. There's a lot of potential in the secondary. 
I think Jalen Johnson has the potential to be an elite corner in this league. I really, really do. We've seen Eddie Jackson play all pro football in this league. Can he get back to that? That's a question. But we've seen him do it. I like both of the kids they took. I like Jaquan Brisker. Yeah. I like Kyler Gordon. What happens at the nickel spot, we'll see. But there's some competition there. But I think we'll bring out the best in one of those guys, Graham, Shelley, Young. One of those guys will come out of that, out of, out of that nickel spot. The problem becomes what happens up front. And it's not the edge for me. I'm not worried about Robert Quinn. And I think Travis Gibson will continue to ascend. The interior of that defensive line is a question, right? And so for me, O-line, wide receiver, interior D-line, those are the three biggest questions the Bears have to answer in training camp and preseason. That's 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 what I'm like, that's that's what I, that's that's what I that's what I'm looking at, what I have been looking at as they continue to progress further into camp, into preseason, they have to answer those questions. Tevin Jenkins, you mentioned him at the outset of answering the offensive line question. Um, you know, it, it Braxton Jones and and Larry Borum, those guys, um, everybody's young, everybody's inexperienced. Some guys shouldn't be tasked with that spot, especially going against guys who are making $20, $25 million a year coming off that right side. Uh, the Tevin Jenkins question, is he a guy that can kick in to the inside if he doesn't work out on the perimeter, or is he going to get enough leash to make his mistakes because of where he was picked, even though he isn't a Ryan Poles pick? Sure. I think that I, it, it appears to me that's what they're looking at. Like, I think they understand that they have a big hole at right guard right now. And if Tevin Jenkins can kick inside and be that guy, then good, right? Ryan Poles likes tackles with long arms. That, that, that's why you're seeing the change that we're seeing outside right now, right? And so, but I got a left tackle from Southern Utah, rookie, week one. I don't want that. Like, if I'm if I'm Justin Fields, I'm saying, I don't want that. Now, he's, Justin Fields is going to say all the right things, and he should. But that's not what you want. That can't be what you want. And so they got to answer a lot of questions, Jay. Like, it's a lot of questions they got to answer on the offensive line. And I don't think that all of them are going to be answered in the, in the affirmative. I don't think all of them are going to go their way. I really don't. Who gets their money first, Roquan Smith or Darnell Mooney? It's got to be Roquan. If it's not Roquan, then it'll be a, a huge indication of where the Bears truly think they are, right? If they think they are closer, Roquan's the guy. Solidify that defense. If we can play top half of the league, top third of the league defense, then we feel like we're ready to compete. If not, then let's just lock up this really solid receiver who's going to maximize potential. Because I think he will. Again, I like Darnell Mooney. I think he will maximize every ounce of potential that he has. Right? Everybody knows the stories, and he got his, you know, Ricky deal, and he bought the drugs machine. Everybody understands that, right? He's gonna he's gonna continue to work, but he's still an undersized receiver with not elite physical traits. I don't know that he becomes Marvin Harrison. Right? I, don't, I, don't, I don't know that, right? Um, and so, for me, it's a no-brainer. 
get that middle linebacker locked up right now, and then now we're good for a decade, and then we'll continue to build out around that with this dude that can get sideline to sideline every single time. What are the first things that stick out to you the most, your, your initial takes on uh, this this new regime, not only coaching, but this new front office and how they're running things to start their training camp uh, era? I would say kudos to Ryan Pauls for understanding what they went with. Coming in and not having the beer goggles on and saying, hey, we could win the Super Bowl this year. Like, that's not on the table. Not at all, right? So understand the reality of the situation. Break it down and break it down. Send guys away if you need to send them away. And that's the Khalil Max, the Allen Robinsons, like, whomever, right? The Akeem Hicks of the world. Mm-hmm. Like, send, send those guys away. And then start to rebuild from the bottom. And that's okay. Do it your way, right? You are the GM of the Chicago Bears. You are one of 32. Do your thing the way you want to do it. If you want to get fired, get fired for doing what you chose to do. He's doing that. Do I agree with everything he's done? No, I don't have to, right? I'm not the GM of the Bears. Neither are the fans. So everybody's like, hey, go get him some more help on the outside. Go some wide receivers in free agency, in the draft, or me, I'm like, don't fire Sue because you tweak it. But he's doing his own thing, right? He's doing, he's doing his own thing. And, okay, cool. Do your own thing, sir. It better work. And I, I will commend him for doing his own thing, sticking to his own script. I, I salute that. I commend him for understanding that the Akeem Hicks of the world, the, the Khalil Max of the world, the Allen Robinsons need to go away, right? Because they're older. They're still productive players, maybe even elite at their positions. But by the time the Bears are truly competing for a Super Bowl, they probably won't. So let them go. I commend them for making those decisions. Those are tough decisions. Those are unpopular decisions. He's sticking to his own script. And I, I, I salute that all the time. I don't necessarily understand the casting soup Campbell off, but neither do I. I'm not with it. But again, you're sticking to your own script. Do your thing, right? It better work. As far as Coach Eberflus, I think that Coach Eberflus is going to be more aware of, of his team, of himself, in terms of what they can do, what they can't do. He's not going to put them in positions to do things that the roster doesn't dictate that they can do. And so I think that's going to serve them well. Just understand maybe we can't win games 42 to 30, like – yeah, that, that's, that's not how they need to go about winning games. They might need to win 13-10, 17-14, and that's fine. There's more than one way to skin a cat. You can win football games a lot of ways as long as you understand what your team can and can't do. I think that this particular coaching staff will understand that a little bit better than the previous coaching staff and put their team in position to succeed a little bit better, play good defense, take the ball away, protect it on offense, run the ball, play ball control offense, win time possession, shorten the game. The Bears need to, like on average, the Bears need to have the shortest games in the NFL offseason long. Like whatever, if the average game is three hours, the Bears need to play like two and a half hours. You know what I mean? Like they need, they need to Clock shorten need to the game. I'm telling you, like this is not like, don't buy too much commercial ads in this. Like we're just not going, it's not going that long. You know what I mean? We're not, we need, to, we need to get this over with immediately. And I think, I think this staff will understand that and that'll give them a, a little bit of a chance to compete 
more so than most people think they will. What has your been? Ex- what has your experience been? I should say, if I can talk, uh, with Justin Fields, kind of kind of guy he is, kind of worker he is, um, how people around that building interact with him, and also, you know, Ryan Poles not having to put all his eggs in the Justin Fields basket because that's not his pick. So, what 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 has been your experience with the young man out of Ohio State? So good point. Ryan Pose is not married to Justin Fields. It's not his pick. You know, he can be done with him whenever he chooses to, and nobody will blame him for it. He won't lose his job for it or nothing like that. But I think that Justin Fields has all of the physical tools to be a really, really good quarterback in this league. I think he can make all of the throws. I think he has the athleticism to make plays on his own when things break down. He doesn't have the elite playmaking ability on the outside. doesn't necessarily have the elite blocking in front of him but he can make things happen even when they don't necessarily um, seem to be there for him. That being said, I also think, and most importantly, he has the mental makeup. He wants to be really, really good. I think he wants to put the work in. We've heard a lot of jargon from his player. He's the, he's the hardest working guy. He's the first person. He's the last person. Now, everybody's going to say that about the quarterback, and he should be. That's fine, right? And, and that, that's cool. But just in talking to him, Nothing seems too big. He doesn't seem to be overwhelmed by the fact that I am the quarterback of the Chicago Bears, right, that I'm in the NFL. He doesn't seem to be overwhelmed by that. I think he's going to continue to take things in stride, put the work in, and I think he will do everything he can to maximize his potential. Is everything going to be in place around him? That remains to be seen. How does that translate onto the field on Sundays, Mondays, and Thursdays? That remains to be seen. But I do think he will give himself the best opportunity to succeed. And so for that, I, I, I will acknowledge that and I commend him for that physically, mentally, emotionally. I think he has the makeup to be a great quarterback in this league. Is David Montgomery going to be able to walk after this season is over? Because the way that I'm seeing it, that man's going to probably have to touch the ball 20, 25 times a game just for the Bears to stay afloat. Yeah, I, I said the same way, right? We talk about um, shortening the game. It's going to be predicated on the running game, right? You're going to have to be able to run the ball. And David Montgomery is a back who gets stronger as the game goes along. I think that, you know, he may have eight, nine carries in the first half, but then he needs to have 12, 13 carries in the second half. And I think he'll get kind of better. I will say that Khalil Herbert will alleviate some of that, you know, workload off of him. I don't know what makes Khalil Herbert good. I, I really, I really don't. Like, I, just I, I watch him play the game. I see him. He's not really, really fast. He's not really, really quick. He don't got these jukes. I, I don't know what it is, but you give him the ball, he's got four yards for you, right? And he, you, you kick it to him, he's got an extra first down for you in the kicking game. I don't know what – I can't put my hands on it, but the kid just seems to make plays when he has the ball, and I think he'll alleviate some of that workload off of David Montgomery, and so that'll be good for David. We'll see – uh, what Tristan Ebner is able to bring, he does have experience in the outside zone team, which I think is good. I think he is probably the most natural pass catcher out of those particular three running backs. I think David Montgomery has put a lot of work in to become a better pass catcher. Khalil Herbert is okay in that department, but Ebner is a natural pass catcher, and I think that he'll help you know in, in that department as well. So you know, I think that David Montgomery certainly will be the feature back in the workforce, but I think he will get some help. But I think that David Montgomery has kind of been saved so far in his career, right? I think he's been waiting on the opportunity to say, hey, give me the ball. Let me touch it 25 times a game. I I want to. And, you know, we'll see if he's up to it. 
Speaking of opportunities, how did you find yourself with the bigs in this position, uh, covering the Bears? Like, what did you what did you see yourself doing, and how did you find yourself in this alley? Yeah, no, this is this has been a dream come true, man. Shout out to the big, shout out to Eugene McIntyre, shout out to Terrence Tomlin for starting this thing. And uh, I met those guys, and during the pandemic season, we did a football show called the Kickoff Kickback, and we would just do it from 10 a.m. to about noon, right after kickoff, and we just do the Kickoff Kickback. And just talk, you know, Bears, talk around the league, pick scores, that kind of thing. And towards the end of that season, they say, yo, what would you think about, you know, joining us and covering the Bears for us in 2021? I looked at them both and I said, listen, don't even mention that to me if you're not for real. Like, that's mm. that's a that's a dream to me. This is this is something I've always done. I can remember, Jay, I, I can remember being like five, six years old, watching the draft. The NFL draft. And this one came on on Saturdays. This wasn't yeah. a prime time yeah. thing. It used to come on on Saturdays. And I was just one day affair. Yeah, and I would watch the draft. And I still, I, if I was on my, my mom's your notebooks, house, you got your notebooks? You wrote I got down every name? <laughs> of every single pick, position, <laughs> yes, school, yes, team. I've got, I've, I've got notebooks <laughs> of that. Yeah, I've, I've got all that stuff, man. I used to do that as a kid. And then, just growing up, I've, I've always just been a huge, huge, huge Bears fan. And I kind of did some freelance stuff on my own. And so, you know, by the time that kickoff kickback show came around, I think that, you know, they had just been hearing me talk about sports. Like, hey, come on the show and talk about it with us. And I think that they understood that I knew this game at a really, really high level. That I had a passion for it, that I could communicate um, effectively about it. And, you know, when they when they said that, I was like, listen, I would love to. Just don't play with my emotion like that. And then probably <laughs> uh, probably a few weeks before training camp last year, the Bears sent all my credentials through, and it kind of took off from there. And I've just been, you know, trying to stack good days ever since, man. So it, it's, it's been a it's been a great process. I got my I got my feet wet just a little bit, kind of dipped my toe in the water last year, did some things, and, and you know, tried to you know represent the bigs as best I could. And I'm looking forward to this year, really, just you know multiplying that times 10. Yes, sir. Hey, you, you represent the bigs well, and more importantly, you represent yourself well. Uh, it's a pleasure following your stuff, reading your stuff, and listening to your stuff and taking in your content. Uh, the bigs, I've mentioned before, and they've been on this this podcast. Uh, they're important to this city. You're important to this city as well, my man. The the voice is um is necessary. So yeah. I thank you for uh, carving out some of this time. You know, it's a Sunday night for a play. I know you got to dip and dive. So I appreciate you jumping <laughs> in here for a few minutes and hanging out with us, talking about the Bears' first few days of training camp. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. No, I'm happy to, man. I know we get out of here, but I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say to you, man, salute to you and and, and all sincerity for everything that you've done for the way that you put on for the city for the way that you put on for black sports journalists in this city and the different platforms that you've done it the way that you continue to evolve and advance and every time they like some people trying to step on Jason Go. <laughs> if you think so if you think so cool watch, watch how you come out of it like you know what I mean watch, watch how you comes out of it and you continue to come out of it even better and better and better my brother i've Amen. followed your work for for a very long time i've told you i've told you this you know privately mm-hmm. um I, I, I remember telling you this privately at, at a function we were at um but publicly thank you for the work that you have done for the work that you continue to do it's important it's necessary 
And and whether you know it or not, man, you are putting on for this city in a way that very few people can do, have done, or will do, man. Salute to you, truly. truly. Oh, man. I appreciate it, man. I just want to be able to duck into a couple of spots and 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 not have to worry about my head. That's all, man. <laughs> That's all. I try to try to treat people the way that uh, they've treated me. And Gene and Terrence and yourself have always held me down. So I uh, I look forward to these conversations, man. So thank you. And when Tony brought it up, I was like, yeah, man, we got to roll. We got to roll. So I appreciate you, man. Have a, have, have a good rest of your night. And uh, the people will appreciate the content. Make sure you are following uh, the bigs. Make sure you are following Herb. Uh, give, them the, give them the Twitter feed so they can follow it, brother. They can follow me at Herb Howard 411. You can follow the bigs at It's the Bigs. It's the Bigs. Herb Howard 411. We'll be having all the content for you that you want to need, man, that you want to see from all different teams, man. So I appreciate being on. Thank y'all so much for having me. It's been a pleasure, truly. No doubt. Herb Howard right here on the Full Go Podcast. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff after a word from our sponsors. Hey, it's Len Casper, the radio voice of the White Sox. You're listening to the full goal with Jason Goff. White Sox have a star pitcher, and they're going to waste it on this middle-of-the-road-ass season. Dylan Cease has given up, what was it? I saw something crazy like... It was three runs in an 11-inning span, three, right? I 11 saw starts. that too. 11 starts. 11 yeah, starts. Yeah, yeah, 11 starts. Three runs in 11 starts. Now, of course, the record is held by Bob Gibson in those 11 starts, and he pitched 99 innings in those 11 starts. So so that was back in the days where, brother, you going to work. It was not just a saying. It was a way of life. And they did not have anyone warming up in the bullpen when the Hall of Famer Bob Gibson had it going, but it was it 64 innings, 11 starts, Dylan Cease, three earned runs, like uh, the best pitch, it may be in all of baseball, and and statistically is his slider. He's got like 67, I think coming into today's game, had 67 or 68 strikeouts on sliders. And the next closest player had like 47 48 on on the slider pitch like he is his breaking ball is maybe the best pitch in all of baseball right now Dylan Cease um is is pitching with a certain confidence and you know he's had a couple of bumps in the road here too over these last you know few starts but he he works himself out of jams uh today I thought it was going to be one of those weird days because obviously you, you jump on the board early with Larry Garcia Larry Garcia, and then you get another three-run home run. It's five to nothing before you know it from A.J. Pollock. And it seemed like Dylan Cease had a runner on or was in a hitter's count for most of the first three or four innings, but he got he worked his way out of it, got it back together. Um, the, Sox, the Sox, after splitting a doubleheader and then playing against the Indians, it, the Indians, the Guardians, my bad. <laughs> um, I just, I wondered what the cost of this season is going to be. And I mean that in a couple of different ways because you got the Orioles who, at last glance, were still the least uh, expensive team in all of Major League Baseball and are sitting there with a 500 record. And you've got the White Sox who are also sitting around the 500 mark, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, is it 47 and 48 going into today's 
action, if I wasn't mistaken. And and now you, you, you're wondering, the buy, the sell talk that we were having, this team might mess around and stand pat and just say, we're getting additions by people coming back to be healthy, right? The Eloy Jimenez's of the world, the, the Yasmani Grandals of the world, the guys who just frankly, haven't produced due to injury and due to lack of production when they have been in the lineup. I don't like that. I don't like to to hear that. Like, I don't like to think that way of, oh, you're adding someone because they came back from injury. No, no, you're adding what you thought you might have. Like, additions are things that you think you don't have or you think you need and you go out and get. So if they're going to play it like that, fine. Uh, that means this pitching staff has to show up outside of Dylan Cease, like Michael Kopech has to go six, seven innings. You know, Lucas Giolito has to string together three or four or five maybe good starts in a row. Like, you're going to start to ask things of this team that they haven't shown you because of how late it's getting. And if you're going to waste, like I said, a season like this from Dylan Cease, when Jake Arrieta won the Cy Young the year he won it, did he go to the All-Star game? Because I, I was I, I was getting those kind of vibes. And mind you, you mentioned Bob Gibson. Jake Arrieta's second half of his Cy Young run was Bob Gibson-esque. Like, we were actually comparing those numbers. <laughs> Bob Gibson's last Cy Young run uh, against Jake Arrieta's, and then Jake Arrieta run the Cy Young. But I, I don't know if Dylan Cease, um, well, I do know that he should have been an all-star. But. I don't know that Dylan Cease isn't, if if he continues this way, I don't know that he's not going to be right there in that top three, you know, uh, Cy Young voting. And boy, would that suck to be on a team that was middling, to be on a team that was average to below average for most of the season, to be on a team that fundamental error after fundamental, it, it, it happened the other night. It happened the other night. Gavin Sheets forgot to throw to the cutoff man or didn't. He missed the cutoff man, uh, a runner advances, right? Yeah. Sebi Savaya, for whatever reason, has problems catching and throwing in at the the least opportune moments. Yeah, Jake Arrieta was not an all-star the year he won the Cy Young. So, you know, maybe Dylan Cease has that in the cards. But for what it's worth, this White Sox season has been long. It's been arduous. It's been painstaking. But there's been a few moments where it's like, ah, there it is. There it is. They, They might just be made of something. And then they play the next two or three games like they've never picked up a baseball or picked up a bat or picked up a glove before. So we'll see. But that Jake Arrieta comp is very interesting to me because Dylan Cease isn't as dominant as Jake Arrieta was when Jake Arrieta had it going that year. But, man, what he's doing right now with that particular pitch especially, like to have a 97, 98 mile an hour, to have a plus fastball, a lot of guys have that. A lot of guys have the, the you know, what we used to call the electric arm. But to have the accompanying pitches, to have, to, to be pitching off of a slider, because that's pretty much what he's doing right now. Like his command, his control, his um, his accuracy with the slider and putting it wherever he wants to put it against right hand is you're, you're shit out of luck. Like you, the Guardians have a right-handed heavy lineup and all he had to do, hey, lefty, come on up here. You, this slide is going to be in on your hands. Enjoy. It looks like a strike until it falls right into your, you know, into your thumbs. And against the righties, you got guys expanding the, the strike zone three, four, five inches on the outside. So shout out to Ethan Katz and shout out to the Chicago White Sox uh, developmental staff for making Dylan Cease into what he's become. And also shout out to Dylan Cease because 
he he's got that feeling. He's got that vibe of a, a Kyle Hendricks. That you know that studious, quiet, understated vibe. But he's got a power arm, right? The guy's hitting 97, 96, and he's got a ridiculous slider that's hitting 90, 91. Sometimes it looks like a fastball until it's not one. So. If you're going to take anything from this White Sox season, because Tim Anderson has not been as good as of late, uh, Jose Abreu has been good, right? Eloy's been hurt. Luis Robert has been disappointing at times. Um, Yasmani Grandal has been hurt. There's so many things that you are counting on to stay the course or to get better this season for the White Sox that haven't. I'm going to tell you right now, one of those things, and not one of those things, the thing that has gotten better this year and the guy that would step to the forefront the way that, you know, a, a hopeful ace should is what Dylan Cease has been able to do this year. And I, I enjoy watching every time he goes out there. And to do what he's done over the last 11 starts has been historic. So kudos to Dylan Cease. And hopefully the rest of the Chicago White Sox can take notice and not waste the, the, the absolutely phenomenal season that he's having. It's the full goal, baby! That's all the time we have here for the Full Go Podcast. Episode 128, I want to thank our guest, Shakia Taylor from the Chicago Tribune. You can check out her stuff at Curly Fro. Don't want to mess up that, uh, that Twitter handle again. Get kicked out of the club. I don't want that. At Curly Fro is Shakia's Twitter handle. Make sure you are uh, following her. Uh, she puts out some really, really dope content. And of course, Herb Howard from the Bigs. It's the Bigs at It's the Bigs at Herb Howard 411. Check out his band stuff as well as we take a wild ride throughout whatever this season's going to look like. Because, boy, I tell you, yeah, pray for Justin Fields is all I'll say. We'd also like to thank our production staff, the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti, the always active Jesse Lopez, and my main man, Tony Gill, for the fellas. Thank you so much for downloading this thing, for subscribing to this thing, for rating and reviewing it, sharing it with your family and friends. Whatever you do for this pod, we truly appreciate you. I am Jason Goff, thanking you for listening to the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff, brought to you by The Ringer and, of course, Spotify as the gang. As we tell you, every single pod, it remains the same. Take care of each other and be safe. Be safe.